Do you hear what I hear? A song, a song, high above the tree, with a voice heard. Welcome, listeners, to another Ho Ho Horror for the Holidays episode. <laughs> horror for the Holidays 2, Nicole. 2. two. Because 1 was last year, so this is oh, 2. Oh, this is the second one. 2. Okay. Yes. And that's it, everybody! Thanks for enjoying the holidays with us! Bye! I just tried to put the headphone jack up Nicole's nose, and she really didn't appreciate that I didn't appreciate that. You didn't like um, it? You know. I don't know why you didn't care for that. (laughs) You're always goofing around on me. Dude, (laughs) doing a little goofing around on me. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you've got to put up with. Uh-huh. Even during the holidays. Yeah. Yes. Well, this the holidays are kind of fun because we get to watch Christmas movies. Christmas movies at the holidays, Nicole. I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. In fact, Nicole, just recently, right now, we just finished watching Die Hard, which you wanted to watch, which is a Christmas action movie. Yeah. Yeah, we just watched that one. And Die Hard, it really did die hard this year because I was trying to remove the Die Hard Blu-ray from the Blu-ray collection case. And Nicole, here it is. Look at this. Here it is. It snapped. It snapped right in two. It snapped in two. So, you know, I I love a good Blu-ray. I love a good Blu-ray collection. However... When they get them in there, so these companies darn tootin' tight, darn tootin' tight. Yeah, they might want to be a little bit more careful with their case designs yeah. because, good grief, you're struggling to get it out of there, and then this is what happens, Nicole. It just snaps in half. Flimsy darn Blu-ray discs. Yes, Nicole. And really, I don't even think they're that flimsy. But good grief, it would not come out of there. <laughs> so luckily. It was streaming. It was streaming on (laughs) HBO Max, so we're able to watch it there, so we did watch that. Nicole, what's your favorite part of Die Hard? I'm just saying, though, but you're not a fan of the streaming, usually. Well, I do prefer... Versus a disc. I do prefer a disc that it looks 
a little better, Nicole. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, yes, and I prefer to have the physical copy in case, what if it gets removed from HBO Max or whatever streaming service it's on? Then how do you watch it, Nicole? It's gone. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. And that never happens. Those are like the people who like, they see it on Netflix. The new shows, they like appear on Netflix, right? And then, and that's what happened, I think, with Friends, everyone's favorite sitcom from the 90s, Friends. Well, that's what happened with it. It was on a streaming service. Then suddenly, it was gone. And everyone who had so what sold are you gonna do? their copies of it, of the DVD sets, everyone that sold them, well, they had to like try to scramble and buy them back. <gasps> Friends, it's gone! I have to get it back! So then they had to rebuy it. But now... It's on HBO Max as well. So what did they do? They resold it again. So then when it's gone, they'll rebuy it again. Because that's how humans are. They're kind of dumb. <laughs> but yes. Anyway, Nicole. So I what, what I was trying to say. I'm sorry. What You were watching Die Hard. What's your favorite part of Die Hard, Nicole? So, I, I don't know. I just... Now, no, no. Okay. Let's say you had to pick one favorite thing. No, no him hawing around. What's your one favorite thing from Die Hard? Yippee ki motherfucker. Nicole Suzanne! <laughs> My favorite thing from Die Hard is Hans Gruber. Gruber. Hans Gruber. Who plays Hans Gruber, Nicole? Alan Rickman. Yes. And Hans Gruber, whenever I think of Die Hard, the first thing that I think of is not Bruce Willis. It's not. It's, it is it's Hans. Hans Gruber. That's the first thing I think of. I like a good Hans. So the villain, the villain steals the show yeah. for me in Die Hard. Then you think of Bruce Willis. Well, you know like that, Alan but, Rickman. Yeah. He steals the show in a lot of movies. He does. You're right. You know, yes. he just does. A fine, a fine acting talent he yes. was. Yes. yes Die Hard over the years has become kind of this like cult Christmas movie, even though it's like this huge, hugely successful action movie. Everyone knows it. It kind of has carved this niche as a holiday Christmas movie. Yeah, and you know by now, like everyone talks about Die Hard being a Christmas movie, and like, hey, did you know Die Hard was a Christmas movie? Yeah, like we heard that like twenty years ago, dude. We've you know, so this is old news. This is so, old news. Last year, I think I pushed for this too, and I still haven't heard anything about it, Nicole. But Lethal Weapon, another eighties. <laughs> action movie is also, also set Christmas during time. Christmas. Yes. It's also a Christmas movie. No one talks about that one. So here I am again making a push for Lethal Weapon to get some sort of acknowledgement as a Christmas movie. We should have watched, we can watch that next. I yeah. see it. I see it. Just I think that in the, that's like uh, what does that say? More In the more like this section, I think that's actually Lethal Weapon 3 over oh, there. Oh, okay. But we could watch Lethal Weapon 1, assuming I can remove it from the case <laughs> without snapping it in two. Anyway, so speaking, Nicole, of HBO Max, there's been a little controversy recently regarding HBO Max. Have you heard about this? Oh, no. I don't pay attention to controversy. Usually. You don't like <laughs> you don't pay attention to controversy. I usually just ignore all that. Well, at one point, a few months ago, I believe now, they announced, Warner Brothers announced, that the Wonder Woman sequel, which I believe is called Wonder Woman 84, because I guess it's set in 1984. I don't know. Anyway, 
They announced that it was going to debut on HBO Max, the streaming service, the same day it opens in theaters, which happens to be December 25th of 2020, just later this month. Okay. So, not only that then, they upped the ante, Nicole. Upped the ante. So, what Warner Brothers then said is that their entire slate of movies from 2021, scheduled for 2021, are going to debut on HBO Max the same day that they hit theaters. Much the same way that Wonder Woman 84 is going to be released. So, this sent major theater chains, however many of them are left, like AMC in particular... They they were in a frenzy. Okay. Oh my God! You're going to kill us all. The business. Yeah. By having it on a streaming service and debuting in a theater at the same time. Well, the problem is Nicole. Right now, where we live, you can't you can't go, go to yeah. theaters unless it is a a drive-in, which there is a drive-in kind of relatively nearby. It's a little out of the way, but we've gone to it several times. It's a very nice little drive-in. And right now, there are a lot of, like, pop-up drive-ins that people have just created on the fly that are kind of showing movies, usually older movies right now. There was another drive-in very nearby, but it closed because the landowner was super greedy and wanted more money and was like, this drive-in isn't doing enough business for me. Uh, I'm going to let their lease go, and then I'm going to sell this land for millions and millions of dollars. And it hasn't happened. So he, he, well, he, I'm saying he must, you know, he would have been much better off letting the drive-in continue to run because it probably would have done very well during this whole pandemic thing. You know what I mean? So that's the reason is the pandemic. How long is this going to go on? And the studio wants to make some money. So they end up, you know, working this deal with the streaming service to try to get more subscribers that way. And, yeah, so we'll have movies like The Matrix 4. We're going to have movies like... Nicole doesn't like The Matrix. Then we're going to have a movie like Dune. The reimagining the new Dune. We'll have a movie like... Godzilla versus Kong. Okay. Things like that that are going to hit the theaters, but they'll be on HBO Max at the same time. Well, for me, Nicole, this is pretty good news. Because while I enjoy seeing movies in the theaters, yes, I love seeing a movie in the theater, I'm not going to go right now. I can't do it. I'm not comfortable doing it. I don't want to be in the theater, even wearing a mask, while someone else is sitting, you know, a little ways over there with their mask off, drinking soda, eating popcorn, smushing candy all over their face, (laughs) things like that. I don't want to be in there because who knows? I don't trust that person, Nicole. They're not to be trusted. I I agree that the streaming, I think the streaming, the new releases is going to be, um, is going to be pretty cool. However, um, is it going to return to... Normal at some like, point. Normal. The past normal. The past normal Yeah, we don't know. Time. That's the thing we don't know. So. And will it actually kill 
some of these gigantic theater chains. Will right. it destroy them? I don't because know. Because I may. I love going to a, a I movie. Love, I love going to the movies. I, I love do. going to the movies. I think the thing, you know, it could, maybe it does destroy like AMC. You know, it could possibly yeah. send them on the brink. I don't know. But I still think that movie theaters in some way... Some form will always be there. They might be go back to like independently owned theaters or something like that because I feel like people are still going to want to go to yeah. a theater to get out of the house, you know, to have you a good go night, a date, have a good time. Yeah, like, exactly. Who doesn't have like a date at yeah. a movie theater some point in their life? Exactly. And when you're going out on maybe a first date or something like that, you don't necessarily want that asshole coming into your house. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So you go to the movie theater instead, you're in public, it's a lot safer than having that person come over to your house. Okay. Anyway, so there are pros and cons, I suppose, with this whole scenario. My pro right now is, yeah, I don't want to go to the theater right now. I'm not comfortable doing it. So if you're going to show it on HBO Max and I can sit on my couch and watch it, that's fine. I'm looking looking forward to Dune. I will happily watch Wonder Woman 84 later this month, too. (laughs) That's That's fine. Anyway, Nicole. Don't you think we should talk about the Christmas movies now? You're getting all riled up. I'm getting all riled up. And we haven't even started talking about the Christmas movies. That's right. (sighs) Nicole, what did we talk about last year on Horror for the Holidays? Do you remember? Black Christmas. We did talk about Black Christmas. You're right. So we talked about Black Christmas... The original. Who's now the remake is From, I believe, 1974. The remake was out last year, Tunicle. There are two remakes. We talked about that in the episode last year. Because last December, the most recent remake came out. And now Nicole's sticking her tongue out, making mean faces at me. She's horrible. Horrible. I'm kidding, Nicole. So, we also talked about Silent Night, Deadly Night. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And we talked about Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 as well, very briefly. I think we talked about something else too, but I can't remember what the hell it was. What was it? Oh, it was the anthology one, which was called A Christmas Horror Story, I believe. Yes. So anyway, William Shatner was in that as a DJ. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. And Santa fought Krampus. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what we had last year. This year, we have... A new threesome of movies. They're not all new. No, they're not new. In fact, none of them are really new. Right. But anyway, we're going to talk about these three. And we're going to talk about them in reverse order of their release dates, but in the, the order in which we viewed them. Okay. So, the movie that is technically going to be our focus of fear which we don't always use uh, on the episode. Sometimes we'll use it, sometimes we won't. But this time, I feel like this movie in particular deserves a focus of fear. Okay. That'll be the middle feature that we talk about. The main event will be in the middle, Nicole. All right. Okay, so we'll be right back after a quick break, Nicole, okay. to talk about the first one that we watched. And that movie, Nicole, was... Do you remember what it's called? I don't remember either. So... We'll talk about it as soon as we figure out what it was in just a moment. Got you a little present, Duke. Oh, what's that? The key to your handcuffs. (laughs) You shouldn't have. Merry Christmas, Duke. Son of a gun. It is Christmas, Junkyard. You know, all of a sudden, I don't feel bad anymore. 
Merry Christmas, you old hound dog. Merry Christmas, Joe. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, so Nicole has decided that these the first movie, this movie, the first movie we watched is called <laughs> I Want to Touch My Babysitter's Boob. But I can't really remember the actual name of the movie. Well, the movie Nicole is called Better Watch Out. Okay, Better Watch Out. And when I said that, you said, is this even a Christmas movie? And I said, <laughs> Better Watch Out, Nicole. That's part of a song. Do you know the song, Nicole? I do. You better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. That's it. So you got it. Anyway, okay. So, yes, the movie's called Better Watch Out. This is from 2016. That's when it was made. It was released October 6th, 2017 in the U.S., in a non-festival situation. It had done the festival circuit before that. So many of these little movies do that. Little independent movie. Making the festival circuits prior to an actual release. And that's fine. It has an approximate budget, Nicole, of $3 million. It's rated R. And it runs one hour and 29 minutes. Nicole, this is a comedy crime horror movie. It's a crime okay. because... Someone in this movie is a criminal, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well, a murderer. <laughs> a murderer. Nicole, this movie has an, had an alternate title, apparently, that it used early on in some festivals. And the alternate title was Safe Neighborhood? Ooh, I don't like that. Yeah, that's pretty lame. Okay, so. It was finally released in 25 theaters, Nicole. Making... $20,369 domestically. That's not even as much as a car, Nicole. Some cars cost more than that. <laughs> That's true. Yes. It did worldwide end up making $176,000. So. It didn't make its budget back. A little better. It didn't make its budget back. But this is one of those little movies that I think, you know, they just hope that it gains notoriety and then they make more money with video sales, streaming, things like that. Okay. And maybe since then, maybe they have. This is a movie that keeps popping up. I keep seeing it pop up on lists and things like that. Christmas movie lists, Christmas horror lists keeps popping up. And my sister, her name is Amy, she highly recommended this one. She said, you should watch that one. I watched this one, and it was pretty good. You should watch that one. So I said, all right, yeah, we'll give it a shot. So we ended up watching this movie. It's directed by... Chris Peckover and Nicole. This movie was streaming. It is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Maybe some other services as well. I think it was maybe on Shudder or something like that too. Anyway, better watch out. Nicole, what what is this movie all about? So, um, you've got the, the main character. The main character. Is that the babysitter? No, well, I'm calling it the... Well, I think he's... They said he's around 12. You think he's 12? But Craig thinks he's older. I thought maybe he was a little bit older than that. But maybe that's just because the actor looks a little bit older than 12. I don't know. Anyway, that character is Luke, played by Levi Miller. So Luke still needs a babysitter. Still needs a babysitter. And his babysitter 
is Ashley, played by Olivia DeJong, uh, something like that. I okay. Don't know. So sorry, Olivia. <laughs> so the babysitter. Um, Ashley. Ashley is going to be moving out of town soon. Oh, that's like, sad. So she agreed to babysit Luke. One last like, time. Like, one last time. One last little time yeah. for Luke. So, I, anyway, so Luke needs a babysitter. And I guess there's some sleep issues with Luke. And Mom's reviewing some sleep, sleep issues with Ashley. And... I don't remember um, that. Like he he's a sleepwalker, is that what it well, was? Well, like he he takes a sleeping pill and and he is a sleepwalker, so mom like always like tricks out a pencil on the door to make oh, yeah. sure he hasn't like the pencil didn't fall and he's not walking around someplace. Yeah, so they can tell if he's been out of his room. Yeah. Yeah. Well anyway, Luke has a good friend, like his best friend. That's Garrett, played by Ed Oxenbold. So, Garrett is, you know, like a 12-year-old pot smoker. Yeah, and he's he, really into pot. He's really into pot. But I was like, you know, I don't know a lot of 12-year-olds doing pot. I, I really, you know. I'm. Do you know a lot of 12-year-olds? I must be really sheltered. Do you know all about their lives? Maybe you just don't know <laughs> what they're doing. Maybe not. Well, anyway, Luke's parents, played by Patrick Warburton of... I remember him from Seinfeld as the character Putty on Seinfeld, who was dating Elaine for a while. He's been in a lot of things over the years. Nicole has no recollection of Seinfeld or Patrick Warburton. Virginia Madsen is Luke's mother. She was in Candyman, which we discussed recently on an episode of the podcast yeah. from the Summer of Clive. The Summer of Clive, Candyman, starring Virginia Madsen. She's in other things as well. Yeah. Anyway, they basically have cameos here. They appear at the beginning of the movie, and then they just kind of disappear. Because they go out to dinner or something. Yeah, they're gone. They're gone. You never see them again. Yeah. Until maybe the very end. I can't remember. Anyway. So Luke, like, I don't know. There's this whole thing where he, like, has a fantasy about the babysitter. Well, he's got a crush on the babysitter. Yeah, of course. So he talks to Garrett all the time about... How he wants to, you know, put the moves on the babysitter, grab the babysitter's boob. He wants the babysitter to fall in love with him, even though he's younger, and ditch her ex-boyfriend, her current boyfriend, her current boyfriend, Ricky, played by Alex Mickick. And her ex-boyfriend is Jeremy, played by Dacre Montgomery. Who's yeah. Billy from Stranger Things season two and three? <laughs> That's right. So anyway, these her her current boyfriend and her ex boyfriend they're kind of some tools. You think they're tools? I huh? do. Hmm. I, they're not okay. my taste. Not your taste? Huh? Okay. <laughs> well, your taste. I don't know. You know, people would agree with your taste. Either, <laughs> my taste is suspect. Ah, well. uh, yes, it could very well be. <laughs> but yes, Luke and Garrett. They're concocting a scheme, maybe, to kind of, like, get Ashley to, you know, have this one last shot to be with Luke. Yeah. So, anyway, things progress, and we're just, you know, now they're into doing, like, babysitter things. Like, they're watching a movie and having pizza and stuff like that. So, then, all of a sudden, some, like, scary things start happening. Yeah, like, it's like someone's trying to break in. Yeah. And it's a little frightening, because, like, you don't really know what's happening. Some And, you know, 
it's pretty pretty creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Nicole's a little creeped out. Oh my gosh. So yes, they're trying to hide. Luke and Ashley trying to hide. First they're hiding in the laundry room or something. And then they end up going in the attic. And someone is in the house with a gun sneaking around. And I feel like, Nicole, we're going to have to spoil this movie to at least a certain degree. At least a little bit. So, wh- how, what happens, Nicole? It's revealed that maybe the so, home invasion yeah. thing right here kind is of a was bit a of a hoax. setup. Yeah. yeah, but a hoax. That's a good word, Nicole. A hoax. Kind of a hoax to get Ashley to, you know, see Luke in a different light. Yeah, like he's this like tough kid who's got a protector or something. Yeah. Yeah. But... As it turns out, yeah, this was all a setup, and things get a little out of hand. Things do get out of hand, and and I would say Luke goes a little nuts. He goes a little nuts. He reveals himself to be quite the nutball. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of hijinks, and, and like some of the things are just flat out amusing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, some of the things are also kind of disturbing. Oh. Yeah. Well, I think they're kind of amusing. You thought they were kind of amusing. Anyway, um, this is a relatively recent movie. It's available on streaming services. I don't know. I hate to spoil too much more than that. Mm -hmm. But I will say, this Luke character, I think your tolerance for the movie, whether or not you're going to like the movie hinges on how you view Luke. I think that the actor, Levi Miller, does a pretty good job here. Yeah. Because, Nicole, let me take you back to professional wrestling from the 1980s. So professional (laughs) wrestling in the 1980s, there was a character, the Honky Tonk Man. And the Honky Tonk Man, he has what is... I feel like this is still a term that is sometimes used today. Honky-tonk man heat. So, he... I have never heard that. Well, you've not heard it, but, you know, yes. You're not also, you know, into professional wrestling. Anyway, so, honky-tonk man heat. So, heat in wrestling is either something good or bad. It's basically a reaction from the audience. So, back in the 80s, with the honky-tonk man, he was so hated... So hated that fans, professional wrestling fans, would pay to come to see him lose. But the problem was, he rarely lost. And if he did lose, it was in a way that he would not lose his intercontinental championship title. So, he would always escape. He would always get away. So, he had what was described as honky-tonk man heat because he was really, really popular as a villain. People wanted to see him lose so badly, Nicole. So, I'm trying to decide in my mind, in this movie, does Luke have the equivalent of honky-tonk man heat? And for me, I don't know. I haven't decided. Because at least Luke is getting some sort of reaction from me. It's either... Like, he's not a villain that I love by any means. So I don't love the guy at all. I either hate the character so much 
that I want to see him go down or I just want him to go away. I haven't decided which which it is. And if it, I just want him to go away, that's bad. That's that's not good, Nicole. Because then I have no interest in the movie. I have no interest in watching it again. If I'm just like, ugh, I hate this guy. I'm sick of him. I don't want to watch anymore. That's a problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I know it's borderline. I, you know, I feel like it's a movie I need to watch again to see if my opinion changes. I thought the movie was well done. And it's a little bit different twist. It wasn't what I expected. Right. Because I didn't expect sort of this... Luke Garrett in cahoots thing to try to impress Ashley the babysitter somehow. That's yeah. not what I expected. So I'll give it credit for that. But did I like what transpired during the movie? Yeah. As far as did I enjoy it? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. It was okay. I still think it's a better than average horror movie. Maybe my expectations were too high. And if they were, that's my sister's fault. That is Amy's <laughs> fault. For hyping it up, and my, maybe I was expecting too much. But I still thought it was pretty good. It was okay. But I don't know. I wasn't, like, super crazy about it. And I think it hinges on that Luke character and, you know, how I feel about him, I guess. Well, like, I'm thinking about it in terms of, like, grades. Yes. I'd give it a low B. A low B? Yeah. You'd, you'd probably be a little bit more forgiving than me. For me, it'd be like, you know... Well, okay, yeah, you know, I don't know, C plus maybe, a little above average, you know, that's how I view it right now, and you know. Well, I and I can't say that I didn't enjoy watching it because I did enjoy watching it. I did enjoy a lot of things about it, but overall, did I want to gush about how good the movie is? No, I don't. Yeah, I can't do that. I can't. No. I can't do that. No. And maybe on a repeated viewing, maybe my opinion would change. Yeah. But I do like some of the planning. Like, the planning and the thought that goes into certain things. I do like that. I do like that the character Luke, like, has these planned out thoughts. He's he's a very smug little bastard. But he is a smug little guy. So, yes. (laughs) Either either that's good or bad. You know, it just kind of depends on how you view it. Yes. For me, it was... I think that I more want to see him go down. Yeah. It troubled me that so young... So innocent, Nicole. So yeah. young, so innocent, but not so innocent. Because, yes, he's devised and con- concocted this whole scheme. And, like, he's getting away with it. Yeah. Is the thing. And, man, yeah, so maybe maybe it is, you know, like Honky Tonk Man Heat. Maybe I just want to see somebody put him in his place. Maybe I wanted to see one of those boyfriends put him in his place. Yeah, the, but those are those guys were... Yeah, I didn't like them very those much Those guys were... No. <laughs> You couldn't even blow a raspberry, Nicole. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. Okay, so better watch out. Marginal recommendation. Amass or murder. I guess I would barely amass it. Because I'll give it another shot. I'll rewatch it to see what I think sometime in the future. I'm not going to watch it today. I'm talking like in a couple of years, maybe I'll rewatch it and give it another shot. Uh, I'm only going to watch it if there's nothing else on. <laughs> okay. So, see, that makes it sound like... Even less for you, Nicole. But I, you're always more forgiving, though. So anyway, yes, Nicole is... I don't know what you're doing. Are you amassing the movie? Are you murdering uh, it? I'll watch it again. All right. It's a very borderline amass for Nicole as well. So 
Better I'm gonna, watch out. I'm going to put it in the back. I'm putting it in storage. It's going to go in storage for a little yeah. bit. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. All right. Better watch out. It is something a little bit more modern, a little bit more unique as far as the angle that the story goes in. So, if you want something more current, if you hate old movies, then watch Better Watch Out. Focus of Fear. Okay, Nicole, now it's time for our Focus of Fear. The main event. The main event. Of this episode. Horror for the Holidays 2, Nicole. Okay. And this is what, Nicole? What movie are we going to be talking about? I'm pointing to it so you don't forget the title. (laughs) Gremlins. That's right. Gremlins is a classic Christmas movie, Nicole. Classic. An absolute classic. Yes. It was released, though, in the summer of 1984. June 8th, 1984, Nicole. Christmas in June. It's rated PG, and it runs one hour and 46 minutes, Nicole. This is a comedy, fantasy, horror film. Ho, ho, horror. Ho, ho, horror. Nicole, this movie had an $11 million budget. And here's the deal, Nicole. In 1984, this movie was released on the exact same day as another comedy horror movie from 1984. That same day it was released, another Absolute classic, Nicole. And that movie is Ghostbusters. (laughs) So can you imagine? At the theater, Ghostbusters and Gremlins. Two 80s just icons of cinema, Nicole. That's right. It was a great summer. Released on the exact same day. I I don't know about you, but after I saw it, I wanted a Mogwai like ASAP. So apparently, Nicole... In Cantonese, Mogwai means devil, demon, or gremlin. So that's what you want, Nicole. I did. I wanted one so bad. So, back to the box office, Nicole. So Ghostbusters and Gremlins going head-to-head, opening on the exact same day. Gremlins ended up spending six straight weeks... At number two. Because Ghostbusters spent seven straight weeks. Seven weeks in the summer of 1984 at number one, Nicole. So, the first weekend, the debut weekend for both of these movies. Gremlins at number two made $12.5 million. Ghostbusters made $13.5 million at number one. Number four, Nicole, no, number four, number three, Nicole, was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Number four was Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. And number five is a movie called Beat Street, which I've never seen. I don't remember that. <laughs> See, you have not seen that either. <laughs> so, yes, so, yeah, pretty pretty tough competition there. Ghostbusters, Gremlins, Indiana Jones, and Star Trek searching for Spock, who was just killed 
in the prior movie, The Wrath of Khan. Now he's returning. You're searching oh for God. Spock. Oh my God. Well, yeah, that's a tough, uh, tough period right there. Yeah. And Temple of Doom and Search for Spock, those had been out for a few weeks at this point. They were not debuting that week. Right. So it was head to head Ghostbusters and Gremlins. Well, the interesting thing that I feel, Nicole, was in week two of both of these movies, their release. Week two, Ghostbusters, its total increased to $15 million in its second weekend. So it made more money its second weekend than its debut weekend. It probably just needed the word of mouth. Some word of mouth. This Ghostbusters movie is hot. It's on fire. You got to go see it. Well, the same thing happened with Gremlins. It, too, people are like, man, these little Christmas devils, you gotta go see them in the heat of the summer. So, in its second week, it made $14 million. So, man, both of these movies were, were on a roll. They were doing very well. Gremlins ends up making, I don't know, the sources vary, but approximately $153 million overall at the box office. So it did very, very well. Yeah. Did very well for itself. Anyway, the director is Joe Dante, who Joe Dante comes out of the Roger Corman School of Filmmaking. He was sort of a graduate of working on Roger Corman movies over the years, and then got the opportunity to start making his own movies, like Piranha for Roger Corman in 1978. Then he did The Howling in 1981. Twilight Zone, the movie. He did a segment in that in 1983. The Burbs, starring Tom Hanks in 1989. Gremlins 2. Oh my God, there's a sequel to Gremlins in 1990. And Matinee in 1993, among many other things. The writer for Gremlins, Nicole, you've probably heard of, is Chris Columbus. Not Christopher Columbus, Nicole. Totally different person. (laughs) <laughs> You're so funny. Uh, yes, Chris Columbus, the writer on Goonies and other things as well. Also the director of Adventures in Babysitting, where the kids wanted to touch their babysitter's boob that, in 1987. Oh, no, you're mixing up the babysitters. Home Alone in 1990, starring little Kevin, Macaulay Culkin, the good son. Home Alone 2 in 1992, also starring little Kevin, Macaulay Culkin, the good son. And then Mrs. Doubtfire in 1993. Everyone loves Mrs. Doubtfire, Nicole. Everyone. Everybody. Harry Potter 1? What's Harry Potter 1 called, Nicole? Harry Potter and the The Sorcerer's Sorcerer's Stone. Stone. Duh, Craig. That was in 2001. He also directed Harry Potter 2, The Chamber of Secrets. Harry Potter 2 <laughs> in 2002 they should have added a, like a number to each one I think to keep things straight because of the titles like who who can remember all that who uh, can remember that every, the prisoner of Azkaban is number 3 almost every after person that, in the world after that I start to get lost is the Goblet of Fire 4 what's 4 oh my god see you don't remember either anyway okay so yeah so Chris Columbus Joe Dante. This is a pretty good creative team. The executive producer was Steven Spielberg. All right, Nicole. Now, we feel like, in talking about the movie Gremlins, other than all this detailed nonsense I've been spewing out of my mouth, 
So many people have seen this movie. Yeah. So it's not really a movie that we're going to like, we're not going to walk you through it. We're going to talk about some of our favorite scenes and some other details that pop up in the movie. Some of the acting, some of the cast and things like that that are going on here. So, Nicole, let me throw out this detail for you first. So, did you know, Nicole, that Gremlins and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, right here, and probably Ghostbusters also, honestly, right here in this summer of 1984, because of some of these movies, they were rated PG. But had some content that was pushing things a little bit. Oh. And maybe a little nastier than usual for the kids. Like in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, when Molaram puts his hand in, in someone's, someone's chest, chest and rips out their heart. Yeah. That's, remember that? I do remember old Molaram. You better do. <laughs> you better believe you do. <laughs> so, also in Gremlins, we'll get to some of these scenes. But, yeah, Ghostbusters, you got some questionable things in there. There's a scene where Ray's laying in bed, and a ghost starts unzipping his pants, and, yeah. So there's some stuff going on in these movies, and the MPAA at the time, they were like, well, you know, I don't know. Parent parent groups are getting upset. We're going to have to do something about this. So because of these movies, a new rating was added, and that rating, Nicole, was what? PG-13. Prior to this, PG-13, that did not exist. Do you know, Nicole, what the first movie released rated PG-13 was? No, I don't. Let me tell you what it was. It was Red Dawn. Really? Yeah. What? Anyway, so there you go. There's a little history about PG-13 and how it came to be because of... This nasty little movie, Gremlins. (laughs) All right, Nicole. So, we've got Zach Galligan as Billy Peltz. We have Phoebe Cates as Kate. And they're kind of the main two cast members here. They have kind of this... Budding relationship. Budding relationship, yes. They work at a bank together. So, those are the primary characters. But we have Hoyt Axton, who plays Rand Peltzer, Randall Peltzer, Billy's father. Well... At the beginning of the movie, of course, Rand is on the hunt in Chinatown looking for a gift for his son for Christmas. Right. And he's run across this boy, John Louie, and he's credited as Chinese boy. Really? Yeah, that's his, he has no name. It is Chinese boy, which is something that I feel like today probably would be frowned upon somewhat his grandfather is known as grandfather uh-huh. and he owns the shop where rand buys the this mogwai, little yeah. demon mogwai and the grandfather doesn't want to sell the mogwai the grandfather's played by key luke doesn't want to sell the mogwai so the the son the, the, the grandson, grandson cuts a deal on the side yeah because they need the money apparently yeah but what I like about this scene is, you know, it's so it's so dark and kind of, it's very mysterious. You yeah. know, this little Chinese shop that's down in this sort of like... Basement. It's like a basement. It's like yeah. a gutter. Like this alley, back alley, side street. And it's, you know, watching it this time, I was like, oh my God, that kid's taking Rand Peltzer down there to kill him. <laughs> but no, he, he didn't do that. So, he didn't. But yeah, so 
I don't know, it's a very mysterious setting. I really yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's got some nice dim lighting and yeah. makes you a little a little uncomfortable. And then of course, what I always remember from that is the the Mogwai starts starts singing. singing yeah. yeah. And you can hear that and that's always uh, yeah, that's always yeah. something memorable. What do you what do you like about this movie, Nicole? So one of my favorite scenes is of course as a kid it's you know changed since as an adult. But as a kid, I just, you know, it was all about Gizmo. Oh, my God. Gizmo is so adorable. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All Gizmo, everything. Ooh, oh. baby. So, anyway, but as an adult, I really enjoy the scene in the high school when the teacher puts a drop, drop of water on <laughs> one of the, like, offspring mogwai. Yes. Yeah, so, this is after, yes, this is after... Gizmo has multiplied, right. and there are multiple Mogwai. So there yeah. are multiple Mogwai, and um, the teacher drops a one drop of water on the Mogwai, and then there are two Mogwai, and one's inside the box, and one's outside, and they knock on the box, and I think that is just the most adorable thing I've ever seen. So adorable. <laughs> they're yeah, they're, so they're knocking, knocking on the box back and forth, and they're kind of <laughs> chittering to each other. Yeah. Like that, just yeah, like that. You just do like it. that. Yep, just like that. Knock it on the box. And it is, it's pretty cute. It's it pretty, pretty cute. Yeah. But, you know, Gizmo always only, it seems to be like the only Mogwai that is nice. The other Mogwai, they always seem, and maybe it's just the influence of Stripe. Yeah. The evil Mogwai and then Gremlin. That maybe, you know, I guess just his influence over the other Mogwai that, you know, I makes think, them seem you know, vicious and evil. I don't know. It, it's it's a great responsibility to ha- to own a Mogwai. To yes, own, it is. To own Gizmo. Yeah. And I, I feel kind of like every time he multiplies, those are like the demons coming out of him. So yes. maybe, that's, maybe that's what it's supposed to be. Maybe they're not supposed to be good cute sweet little gizmos yeah like gizmo's a good one <laughs> gizmo's but then the ones that, that pop off of gizmo those are the demon right. devils that's what you're saying um one of the other things i always think is so funny is that stripe always calls gizmo gizmo caca <laughs> yes he does <laughs> he does say that a lot gizmo caca <laughs> yeah, he yes. always says that he hates Gizmo. He hates him. But yeah, so how how they originally multiply, I like that scene too. Because Corey Feldman plays the character Pete. And Pete's dad runs kind of the local Christmas tree selling yeah. station farm thing, whatever yeah, it is. lot. Yeah, the tree lot, lot. That's what it's called, Nicole. A lot. I yeah. see, I don't know these things. But that's why it's a good thing you're here. So <laughs> That's what I'm for. Yes. So Corey Feldman... He's. They're hanging out in Billy's room, which is kind of the attic of the house there. And Billy is uh, an artist. He's a budding artist. So he's got like his art supplies, some brushes and things like that in some jars of water. And Gizmo's sitting there and Pete's like, oh, can I hold him? And like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, you can hold him. He seems to like you. That's fine. And, you know, Pete, this stupid kid, Corey Feldman, stupid kid, ends up knocking over... One of the glasses holding the brushes, and of course, gets Gizmo wet. And that's one of the rules, Nicole. Don't get him wet. You're not supposed to get the Mogwai wet. So, he knocks it over, and you see poor Gizmo, like, writhing in agony. And like you said, like, 
Billy and Pete, they just kind of stand there like, uh, yeah, like, and you're like, shouldn't they comfort him or something? Yeah. So they try to comfort Gizmo here. But instead, they're just kind of watching him. He's got these little bubbles bubbling up on his back. And yeah, these little fur balls, these little puff balls come popping off of Gizmo. And then, of course, they grow and expand and like the ears spread apart and their faces are revealed and they're more Mogwai, of course. Yeah. So, and I said this time that some of the Mogwai are a little slimier than others because some of them are like kind of like, some of them when their ears open, they don't look that bad. You know, it's, it's dry. But some of them are like really gooey looking, like snotty. It's gross, Nicole. Gross little Mogwai. <laughs> That's how you can tell they're little demons because they're gross. They're Yuck. all snotty. Yeah, snotty little Mogwai. Anyway, so one of them, of course, is Stripe, who ends up being the leader of this little pack of yeah. Mogwai that have multiplied from Gizmo. And I am um, another little quirk about them that I like is I like how they giggle and they shake. Yes. And I always think that's so amusing is like they're just... Yeah, as, as Mogwai and as Gremlins. Yeah. They're like little like buzzing vibrators or something. <laughs> yes, they're like just like shaking and buzzing all the time. Yeah. They're really amped up on something, <laughs> let me tell you. But yeah, so... I think we should talk about the rules, Nicole. The rules. The rules. Okay. So this is where this is where I have a little bit of a problem with the movie. Like, I love the movie. Don't get me wrong. But I also love to nitpick a little bit. So if I'm going to nitpick about Gremlins, this is going to be it. Okay. So the rules are what, Nicole? What are the rules? First is... No bright lights. That's right. No bright lights. They don't like bright lights. And sunlight, Nicole, what will sunlight do? Kill them. Yes, it will kill the Mogwai. So don't expose the Mogwai to bright lights, or certainly not sunlight, unless you want a dead Mogwai. Yeah, yeah. The second rule, Nicole, we've already discussed. Don't get them wet. That's right. Don't get the Mogwai wet. And and I don't think I've ever noticed this before, but at the beginning of the movie, the, the grandson even says, or maybe Rand tells Billy this when he's telling him the rules i'm not sure but in one of the scenes they say don't give him any water so like he can't even drink water yeah no which is very strange to me so this animal can 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 consume no water nicole no water that seems a little odd and then what's the most important before we get back to rule number two because i need to nitpick some things in rule number two Rule number three, Nicole, the most important rule, they say, is what? Don't feed him after midnight. Never. Yes. So, I have a problem with that one. We're going to get to that, too. Because we're probably going to both have the same problem with that. So, rule number two. The bright lights, I don't really have a problem with that rule. Or the sunlight's going to kill him. Okay, I I can get behind that. That's okay. Rule number two, though. And the main thing about this is something I've kind of harped on about Gremlins for years, is that the movie is set during Christmas in the snow. (laughs) So you have Gremlins after they've changed into Gremlins, because if you don't know, that's what happens in this movie. The Mogwai are eventually fed after midnight and become Gremlins, hatching out of these horrible little pods. Yeah. Gross little slimy pods. Therefore, they're getting wet in the snow. So they become... Yes, no longer cute little cuddly looking mogwai. They become these gremlins, sort of reptilian looking creatures. Yeah. And yes, the thing is, they're running around in the snow in the streets. 
And we were talking about this at work yesterday, the day before, something like this. And I said, you know, like, do they become cold-blooded after they become gremlins or something? Like, I don't know. You know, maybe the snow wouldn't melt on them then. Uh, you know, I don't know. I guess you could make that argument biologically, perhaps. I don't know. I think it's movie magic. I think it's movie magic. Movie magic because, yes, I forgot how to say magic. Because, yeah, the the one scene after Stripe has, he's, Stripe has jumped into the YMCA swimming pool in one scene as a gremlin and then multiplies as like hundreds of reptilian gremlins. After that scene, they're shown like running down the street, scrambling down the street of Kingston Falls here in this movie. And they're running through snow. They're out in the snow. They're playing in the snow. If the, any, if any, because we've already established the biology teacher who was Mr. Hansen, played by Glenn Turman, we've already established that just a drop of water, a drop of water will cause a mogwai or gremlin to multiply. So, if one little speck of snow, one flake, one snowflake is what they're called, ladies and gentlemen. If one of them melts on a gremlin, isn't isn't it going to cause that gremlin to multiply? I, I would say yes. So, over the years, that has been my biggest problem with this movie. A I think you're overthinking whole, it. I am absolutely not overthinking <laughs> it. They should have thought about this when they were writing the movie. Just don't set it in the snow, and that solves the whole problem right yeah. there. So, it's a little weird that there aren't just endless millions, trillions of gremlins being multiplied at all times in this town. Yeah. The town should be completely filled Overrun, with yes. for sure. And then the world. The yeah. entire planet. Yeah, exactly. Is consumed by gremlins because of the snow. <laughs> then, again, talking about this at work, my friend Matt at work brought up the fact that later in the movie, they're at a bar drinking beer. Beer is also wet. It's not water, but it's wet. Again, this, shouldn't this be causing them to multiply? I, I guess. You know, they're drinking the beer. Shouldn't they be puking out other gremlins or pooping out other gremlins or something? <laughs> Maybe. Come on. <laughs> so see, there's another There's another thing with the water, the moisture, the wetness. Come on. It's a little weird, Nicole. All right. So number three, feeding after midnight. What was your issue with that rule, well, Nicole? Well, I'm just saying, like... Different places have different time zones, you know. Yes, I'm exactly. Like, and essentially, if he, you know, possibly came from China with the the grandfather, yeah. Um, I, I don't know where he got it. Is he locked into that time zone? <laughs> that's yeah, that's right. my problem with that too. Is what time zone do you have to be in that's to right. avoid feeding him after midnight? That's like, yeah, that's one of those things too where, yeah, it's like a clever rule. You know, it's cute for the movie. But logically, I'm not sure it makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. Yeah. Also, when we were discussing this again at work, I said, and when does that end? When does that time frame end? When can you then again feed the Mogwai? Because you say, like, after midnight, there's no, like, range. It's not like, okay, don't free, feed him 
from midnight to noon the next day, that 12-hour period. No, no. Yeah. It's like, so when can you feed him again? At 9 a.m.? Is that okay? Well, can you feed him at 1? It's after, it's that's after, after midnight. That's after midnight, but, but. Is the time frame over? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So when does it end? You can never feed him again? Who knows? Who knows? So yes, it's a little, it's a little weird. Some of these rules so are a little weird. So what's one of your favorite scenes in the movie? Well, it, you know, I don't know. There are a lot of favorite scenes in the movie, I guess. But I really like when the teacher is, first of all, like you said, you described the scene where the teacher is, you know, has they've multiplied and they're banging on the box. But I like when the gremlin hatches in the school, at the school, the gremlin hatches, and the teacher is trying to find the gremlin, trying to track down the gremlin. The gremlin, finally, I believe it is, I wrote this down, at like 51 minutes into the movie, is the first time that we actually see a gremlin in full. Uh Uh-huh. And he's basically, he was like in like a cabinet or something like that at that point. Back to the like biology classroom, (laughs) the teacher has has a snack. He's going to offer him a snack. Mm-hmm. And he's got a candy bar. And I and for some reason, I always love the little line of dialogue and just his acting in the scene where he's, the gremlin, it seems as though the gremlin is under his desk. Yeah. And he's kind of getting down. He's kind of reaching out. He's going, hey, uh, aren't you hungry? I, I brought you brought you a candy bar. Remember me, don't you? I, uh, when I got you a candy bar. Thought you might be hungry. You hungry? Hmm? And he's trying to reach under there with the candy bar. He's kind of shaking it a little bit, you know, in his hand, just a little bit. And then, of course, he puts it under the desk. And you start to hear the gremlin kind of munching on it. And the teacher, he seems somewhat satisfied. Like, oh, oh, good. You know, like the gremlin, he's under there. He's eating something. This is great. But then, of course, the gremlin latches onto... His hand starts attacking him. Hey. Hey. Hey there. Uh, come here. Don't, don't be afraid. There's no reason to be afraid. Um, where'd you go? Huh? Where are you? I know you're in there. I know you're under there. Come on now. Hey, you're not still angry about that little blood test, are you? Come on out, take a bite, let me see you. Hmm? I just wanna, just wanna see you. Here, here, you go. You try some of this now. I know you got to be hungry. Hmm? Hey, there now. Don't you feel better, huh? And then we see Billy arrive at the school because Mr. Hansen has called him prior to the saying, it hatched. Yeah. And he should come over. So, Billy's on his way. When he arrives, it's too late. Mr. Hansen is like under the desk. His head is under the desk. And he has a syringe in his butt where the gremlin has stuck him. Because prior to this, of course, yeah. he's given the gremlin several blood tests. The yeah. Mogwai, several blood tests. So, and he's told him a little bit of a grudge. He's told the, the Mogwai didn't hurt. Yeah, it didn't hurt, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of like a, a cool little revenge scene where yeah. the gremlin gets revenge on Mr. Hansen 
for using the syringe uh, to draw blood from him. Yeah. And now he's got it stuck in his butt and he's dead under the desk. <laughs> so yeah, this movie is, it has some scenes of violence. Yeah. Another favorite scene is when Billy's mom, who is Lynn, played by Francis Lee McCain, who's also in several other 80s yeah. movies, Nicole, Footloose, Back to the Future, Stand By Me. Oh my goodness. A litany of things. Yes. So, she is at home alone. The gremlins have also hatched. Well, Gizmo's there. Yeah. But the gremlins have hatched in the house. After Billy sees what has happened to Mr. Hansen, he's like, oh my God, Mom. Yeah. Like, I better go home. So, he's racing home. But at this point, his mom has already begun battling the gremlins in the house his mom's vicious let yes. me tell you i think she does a great job so in the house the first one is she's she's was in the process of baking cookies mm-hmm. so and the father here played by hoyt axton who is Rand peltzer like we said is an inventor so there are kind of these odd inventions around the house. And I love these inventions, too, in the movie. They're so odd. They sometimes work. Usually they don't. They don't. And they always seem to fail. But what I like about this is the the gremlin has his head in some sort of a blender-like device. So the gremlin's got his head in there, like, eating cookie batter or whatever was in there. And the mom just sneaks over and turns it on. The gremlin... His head is in there, starts spinning around, and the, you know, green goo starts splattering everywhere because gremlins have green blood like Spock. So, green blood spewing everywhere, that eliminates one gremlin. So, then, the next one is also, I think, like eating cookies or something. And she just goes after it with a knife, a butcher knife, and stabs the gremlin to death. And the, the thing about this... Is, and apparently I just read this, that they were going to show a scene of the gremlin trying to pull the knife out of itself, but they said, oh, it's a little too extreme. Maybe that's a little bit too much. <laughs> too much. So, but still, and this is the, also the first time I remember noticing this, watching this, uh, watching gremlins this time. The next gremlin, she, she goes after, throws in the microwave. Yeah. And th- you can see, though, behind her in some of the shots, the gremlin that she had stabbed to death, still in the background, uh, in the background, still in the background, writhing in the background. So the gremlin is back there, having just been stabbed multiple times, writhing, dying in the background. It's kind of horrifying. That is. So, yes. Then the one in the microwave, of course, explodes. She locks it in the microwave, and you can hear it in it's not funny, but it is funny because you can hear the gremlin in the microwave kind of crying. Oh, <laughs> it's terrible, but it's also a little bit amusing in a sick, demented way. So, anyway, Nicole, yes. Then... There are two gremlins it's, it's, left at this point. It's a gremlin. It's it's a demon. It's a demon. It's a demon. That's right, Nicole. It's a Put demon. it in perspective. Yes. Try not to get upset, Nicole. So, <laughs> then there are two gremlins left, okay? One of them is Stripe. So you know Stripe's going to get away. Yeah. We've already revealed that at this point. But 
there's one in the Christmas tree. So in the Christmas tree, it pops out of the Christmas tree, starts attacking Billy's mom. Billy arrives at home just in time. And every time somebody comes in the front door at the Peltzer house, there are these two crossed swords. Like a coat of arms. Yeah, right. Cross swords. Right next to the doorway. And every time somebody comes in, one of the swords falls off or something like that. So they've already set this up too. It's been established that these swords are there. So Billy, he just picks up one of the swords swings it at the gremlin its head comes off goes flying into the fireplace and starts burning so you have a a decapitated gremlin head burning in the fireplace you know what nicole i think this movie that's violent could have used a pg-13 nc-17 but yeah so anyway i enjoy that scene quite a bit Dick Miller, veteran horror actor of so many Roger Corman movies, specifically, Nicole, is in the movie here as Mr. Futterman, Murray Futterman, who's this guy who he hates, he hates foreign cars. He appears to be a a crotchety crotchety old man. He appears to be a World War II veteran, I believe, or something like that. Anyway, so I just think he's a crotchety old fella, old old fart. An old fart, yes. He drives the snowplow in town, and he drinks a little bit too much. So it's kind of it's kind of an amusing scene when he's at home with his wife. Here's some noise going on outside. Goes outside. Someone is messing with the snowplow, and of course, it happens to be gremlins, Nicole. Yeah. So the gremlins start the snowplow, and they drive it through the Futterman's house. Are they killed? I don't think so. I think they're they not got killed out. because they do return in Gremlins too. But <laughs> yes, you know they could have been killed here by the snowplow. Oh my god! Oh man! But yeah, there are a lot of also little sort of little nods to other science fiction horror movies and things like that in the movie before the gremlins are revealed to be in the pods the mogwai are in the pods transforming into gremlins before that happens on the on the television the night before after billy accidentally feeds them after midnight because the gremlins the mogwai at that point have chewed through the cord on the clock yeah and time has stopped essentially in billy's room so billy thinks it's safe to feed them well the original invasion of the body snatchers is on television and yes there are also pods Pods in that pods in that movie so pods in that and then the mogwai appear in pods transforming into gremlins later on so that's kind of a nice little nod we have at one point Rand Peltzer is away. He is at a convention. And at this convention, a number of things, a number of things happen. You have you have Rand Peltzer on the telephone. We see Steven Spielberg ride by on some little like car Golf thing. Cart. Yeah. Yeah, and his his leg is broken. Yeah. He has a cast on. He's got on. a cast on, does some yeah. kind of little circle around kind of the little phone booth area. We see uh, Jerry Goldsmith who does the score for gremlins is also in there at the convention in the background and if we anybody see, doesn't know that song from the gremlins yes nicole loves the song because it's bop bop ba apparently <laughs> is how she sings it he, he doesn't like how i sing the song because i i vocalize it as a ba as a ba <laughs> yes anyway 
Back to this convention, Nicole. Okay. So in the background is the time machine from the movie The Time Machine. And it disappears. And yes, it's running. You see it running while Rand is on the phone. And then it's drawing a crowd. It disappears. And then you have kind of people there looking for it like, oh my gosh, what Where happened to the it? time machine? <laughs> so, yes, the classic prep from the time yeah. machine is there. That's cool to see. And then you also have Robbie the Robot. Who's standing? Who's on the phone He's next like to Rand? Hovering yes, over Rand, talking on the phone, and Bribe the Robot is actually saying lines from the movie in which he appeared. Forbidden Planet. Yeah. The question is totally without meaning. Pardon me, sir. Stuff. Thick and heavy. Would sixty gallons be sufficient? I rarely use it myself, sir. It promotes rust. And yeah, I get a kick out of that every time too. It's 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 fun to see some of these little details that pop up in Gremlins, sort of paying homage, Nicole, to classic science fiction. Yes, Poppy, that's right. There's oh our gremlin. There's our little gremlin Poppy doing a little screaming. Kingston Falls, the set Kingston Falls, mm-hmm. where the town is set, is actually the same town. From Back to the Future, Nicole. Really? So if you think it looks familiar... It is. Well, it is familiar. Actually, Gremlins was first and then Back to the Future, so it was used later in Back to the Future. You have the scenes, of course, where, like we said, Stripe jumps into the YMCA swimming pool, begins to multiply... I always thought as a kid that was kind of a spooky little scene with well, the lighting the and everything. Well, because the pool lights yeah. up and flashes. Gets all green and red flashy. Yeah, kind of spooky stuff. And then, of course, Nicole, you can't forget the scene where the gremlins have all assembled in the movie theater. <laughs> They're all in the movie theater. What movie are they watching, Nicole? Hi-ho. Oh, that's right. They're watching Snow White. And then um, Gizmo sings it. Yeah. But so do the gremlins. Yeah. Like all the gremlins in the theater are in love with watching Snow White. And it's really funny. And they're all, yes, singing along to Snow White. And yeah, it's, you know, that's that's like an unforgettable scene, I think, from gremlins. Absolutely. And they're, of course, after all the candy, popcorn, soda that they can get their hands on in there too. So they're probably all eating after midnight again. Oh, yeah. Now, what happens when a gremlin eats after midnight? I have no idea. That's never established. If a gremlin eats after midnight, does nothing happen? Maybe Do they, they just... turn back into Mogwai? Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> you think that's funny? Anyway, so you then, as kind of the finale, you have Stripe kind of... He sees there's a Montgomery Ward store across the street from that's the theater. Right, yeah. And in the theater, it seems to be completely out of candy and food. He can't get any more yum-yum. So he wants more yum yum. Yum. Yum yum. So he, wants, so he goes to break in and there's get some a sign candy. across the street that says candy. So Stripe can read. Yeah. He can read candy. He can read. In the sign across the street. So he leaves the theater. Billy and Kate. And Gizmo have devised this scheme where they're going to blow up the theater with all the gremlins in it and eliminate them all. And it works except for the fact that the Stripe is escaped, not in there, of course. Right. So then you have this final showdown in Montgomery Ward. And with if, they, Stripe. if you don't get Stripe, 
That's where all those gremlins came from. Yeah, that's why all Stripe the, yeah. can just make more. He'll just make more. And there happens to be a fountain in Montgomery Ward. Kate's trying to turn on as much lighting and things as she can, so she's just flipping switches. Happens to turn on the fountain. Mm-hmm. Stripe ends up finding it at one point, and oh my god, Nicole, for the one person who hasn't seen Gremlins, we won't spoil what happens. <laughs> so, you also have Polly Holiday playing Ruby Deagle, Mrs. Deagle in this movie. Polly Holiday, of course, was Flo, Kiss My Grits Flo, yeah, kiss my grits. in the early 80s sitcom Alice. You have Judge Reinhold playing Gerald. Judge Reinhold kind of underutilized in this movie. I'm very, like he's only in like two scenes yeah, he pops or up in a few scenes. He's not really in it very much, no. And then you do have a cameo that I thought was interesting. You have at the bar where Kate is working, Billy is sitting at the bar next to a guy, and he's commenting on Billy's drawing. And that is actually Chuck Jones playing the character Mr. Jones. And Chuck Jones, Nicole, did a lot of the Warner Brothers animation artwork. So, you know, like Bugs Bunny was created before Chuck Jones started drawing Bugs Bunny, but Chuck Jones is really the one who kind of established those characters and created a lot more, like Yosemite Sam and people like that as well. So, the Looney Tunes characters, Chuck Jones was the person who created a lot of those characters for Warner Brothers back in the day, so that's kind of cool. He just makes a little cameo here in the movie, too. Like a lot of these little cameos that happen in Gremlins. That's very nice. And also, Nicole, we have to talk about the people who provided the voices for... Yeah, absolutely. For not only Gizmo, but the Gremlins, the other Mogwai. So, Gizmo, of course, I think a lot of people know this, was voiced by then-comedian... And now he's still a comedian, I guess, but he's done other things. Howie Mandel. Right. So, now I think people mostly know Howie Mandel from that game show that he was the host of for a while there that was, like, big for, like, a year or something. I don't know. I can't remember what it was called. But anyway, so, Howie Mandel, though, did, like, other, like, voice acting and things like that. He had that animated show, Bobby's World. Do you remember that? Anyway, Nicole has no memory of that. But there was an animated show, Bobby's World, where Howie Mandel provided the voices, too. Anyway, he did a lot of voice work. Then you also have Peter Cullen, who has done the voices of Optimus Prime in the Transformers, Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, Venger from the Dungeons & Dragons animated series from the 80s, the main villain. Did a lot of uh, voices on G.I. Joe as well. You have Michael Winslow, who was in the Police Academy series is what he's most known for. He did a lot of goofy voices and sound effects and things like that in Police Academy. And that's kind of where he got some of his notoriety. But then he was also in Spaceballs as well, kind of doing the same thing. And then you also have some other voice actors that pop up in it. Fred Newman, Mark Dodson, Bob Bergen, Michael Sheehan, and Bob Holt. And Poppy doing voices as well. Yes, Poppy. So... Yeah, and they're all doing voices for various Mogwai sounds or Gremlin sounds, things like that. Well, we have to talk about one person in particular who does the voice of Stripe along with some of the other Mogwai and Gremlin voices. And this person is Frank Welker, Nicole. So Frank Welker, if you look him up on IMDb, Nicole, has 859 credits 
to his name wow. for a variety of television shows, movies, video games, things like that work for which he's provided voices over the years. Nicole, let's talk about some of the voice work here. We're going to spend a little bit of time on Frank Welker. Okay. So Frank Welker has always been Fred in Scooby-Doo. Really? Always provided the voice of Fred. And then since the year 2002, all the other like Scooby-Doo's and things like that, he has been the voice of Scooby as well. Really? So, yeah. And he's also done so many other Hanna-Barbera characters and things like that over the years. Also, Nicole, in the show Inspector Gadget from the 80s, he was the voice of Brain the Dog, whenever Brain would make sounds or things like that, Dr. Claw, and the Mad Cat, who was always sitting by Dr. Claw. In Super Friends, he was the voice of Wonder Dog, Mr. Mitzelplick, Darkseid, and Calabac. Mitzelplick! Yes. In G.I. <laughs> Joe, he was the voice of Wide, uh, Wide, Wild Bill, Torch, and others in that. In The Real Ghostbusters, he was the voice of Ray and the voice of Slimer, of course. In DuckTales, he was the voice of some of the Beagle Boys, some of the villains in that. In the Smurfs, Nicole. Oh my gosh. Like he was every the voice childhood of, cartoon yeah, I ever Every watched. childhood cartoon you've ever seen. Frank Welker has been a part of it. He was the voice of Hefty Smurf, Poet Smurf, Pee Wee in the show. Yes, Pee Wee. And other Smurfs as well. And then did a lot of work on Transformers. He was the voice of Megatron, of course, the main villain in Transformers. Soundwave, one of the main henchmen of Megatron. Rumble, Ravage, Mirage, Trailbreaker, and others too. So, if you've seen a cartoon, you've definitely heard Frank Welker's voice at some point over the years. At some point. Yes. He's just done so much stuff. So much. I found it very astounding to see 859 credits. So that's like the 80s and 90s. Oh yeah, and 2000s. Yeah, he's still doing voice work today. Okay. Yeah. He's still doing like uh, a recent, like, yeah, there was the recent, like, Scooby-Doo movie or something like that. He did the voice in that as well. Okay. So, yeah. So, he's still going. You can't stop Frank Welker. You can't stop him. He just keeps going. So, anyway, yes. Gremlins, definitely a staple of the 1980s. I I think it still holds up today. I think it was very enjoyable to watch. Oh, I love it. Like, if I watched it all the time, I'd, you know, roll my eyes and get tired of it. But, yes, I, yeah, I love watching Gremlins. It's a, it's a fun movie, Nicole. Fun little creepy movie every time. It is fun. I really like it. Do you think it's a little creepy too? Yeah. Yeah, it's got some creepy elements. Um, I do think that some of the movies for kids in the 80s were a little bit more creepy. I do too. And that's probably because, like you said, it didn't have that PG, PG PG-13 rating They were kind of pushing pushing the, the edges there, pushing the border a little bit as far as what they could get away with yeah. sometimes with the kids, yeah. And definitely, I, th- I feel like Gremlins is a movie that kids should see. Like, I think, like, if you see it as a kid, it's got to be so much better. So it's one of those movies, I think it's a good kind of, like, almost introduction movie into, like, kids getting used to watching horror. Like, Gremlins, throw Gremlins at them because it's not that bad. They'll have a good time with it. Some of the scenes might freak them out a little bit, but... It's still something it's good, I, think, like, I think kids should watch. Yeah. yeah, It's a good introduction, like you said. Yes, I think so. It's a good gateway horror movie. Yeah, gateway <laughs> horror, gremlins, absolutely for sure. 
So, Gremlins, definitely. And a mask for me, Nicole. What would you do with Gremlins? Uh, I'm going to amass that. You're going to go ahead and amass that, yeah. too? Okay. All right. I was just making sure. Okay. Maybe maybe you changed your mind. Gremlins 2? What do you think of Gremlins 2, Nicole? Don't remember it? I don't remember it. It's not one that I uh, watched frequently. Yeah. It's okay. I know there are some people who, because of its sort of a little bit more campy value, I think, some people actually seem to prefer Gremlins 2 over Gremlins, which... I think that's a little silly. I think that's one of those things where you're just trying too hard to say Gremlins 2 is better. You like it more? Uh, you know, I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> Apparently, there's a Gremlins 3 that might be in the works. I don't know if that's a good idea or not. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it'll pan out to be okay. Maybe not. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if it ever transpires. Well, Frank Welker better be the voice. He better get in there. They better make it before he dies. That's right. Get him in there. Come on, you don't know how old he is. I am not sure how old he is, no. Anyway, Gremlins, definitely worth your time if you haven't seen it. If you're, like I said, the one person on the planet who hasn't seen Gremlins, then you should probably watch it. And now, Nicole, the final entry <laughs> in Horror for the Holidays 2. And this, Nicole, this is a good segue into our next our next episode, Poppy, which is probably going to be about classic science fiction. That's right. Get down. Gremlins helps lead into that, too. But this one specifically, Nicole, because it is, Nicole, Santa Claus conquers... The Martians. And we got to turn the page in the notes for this one. So oh right. my God. Right. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, Nicole, from 1964, November 14th, 1964. It was not rated. It runs one hour and 21 minutes. So, Nicole, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians has a reputation of being one of the worst movies of all time really now i have seen this movie before have was this the first time this watching is, it? this is the first time i've ever watched it the worst movie no, not the worst but one of the worst movies i've of seen all time. i've seen way worse movies you know what this. watching this on this viewing i felt exactly the same way my God, I've seen so many movies that are worse so than this. so much movies. And I think it's one of those things where people just so like... So much movies. What? I've seen so many movies. So that many movies worse. that are worse than this. Yes. I think it's just a case of like over the years, it's developed this cult following of negativity. And a lot of movies, they end up with this. And a lot of other things end up with this too. I'm going to get into something here. Here's a... <laughs> A, ra- oh. a Craig rant? Yes. Here's a little aside of Craig rant. It's it's in much the same way that the Atari 2600 ET game oh my is so hated and it's like one of the worst games of all time or the worst game of all time. No, it isn't. It really isn't. I have played much worse games than that too. If you had the instruction manual, you could figure out how to play it. 
Was it easy to play? No. Is it one of the worst games of all time, though? Absolutely not. So, much like E.T.'s reputation for being either the worst or one of the worst video games of all time, this has a reputation, too. And it's just one of those things that's fun to poke and pick on. But... I feel like this is somewhat undeserving of being one of the worst movies of all time. For one thing, Nicole, this is a family movie. It's listed as, a, listed as an adventure, comedy, family, fantasy, sci-fi movie. It's a family movie. It's a movie for kids. Yeah, definitely. Good grief. And yeah, it's cheap. Its budget was approximately $200,000. So a pretty cheap movie even by 1964 standards. So, I get it. You know, it's a little goofy. Yeah. But, man, I think it's quite a bit of fun, actually. Yeah, I I actually had a really good time. My because, God. like, I didn't take, you know, you can't take it seriously. Absolutely not. That's not. The movie a- is called Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. <laughs> How are you going to take that seriously? You just can't take it seriously. Yeah, so if you go into it thinking, man, this is going to be really bad or... You know, maybe I can have some fun with this. You're probably going to have a pretty good time. That's what I think. So Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, Nicole. Yes, at one point, near the end of the movie, I feel like you were really into it. You were smiling. (laughs) You were happy. You were, at one point, on the edge of your seat smiling. You loved it. You loved it. (laughs) And I I had a really good time watching it, too, because I hadn't seen it for a while. And, yes, like we said, it's ridiculous, but it's fun, Nicole. It's fun. It was fun. You can watch it on Amazon Prime, so it is available on Amazon Prime currently. That's where we watched it. John Call plays the part of Santa Claus in this movie. And, see, they couldn't get the real Santa, Nicole. He was too busy. What? Maybe he was demanding too much money. So they couldn't get the real Santa. So they got one of Santa's helpers, John Call. Okay. To step into the role of Santa Claus just for the movie, Nicole. Yeah, Yeah. I get it. Because Santa, he was just, he was too busy. God, you don't want to have any fun at all. Anyway, so, then you have the Martians. You have these Martian characters. Kimar, Voldar, he's the jerk Martian who wants to, like, kill Santa and the kids that they've kidnapped. And then, of course, you have Nicole's favorite character, Droppo. He is absolutely my favorite character. The goofy Martian. Droppo. He's my favorite. Nicole's favorite character, without a doubt. So, the movie... Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Basically, what we have here is the Martian kids. They're watching Earth programs on television. Earth TV. (laughs) Earth programs on television. And they're kind of morose, just kind of somber, somber kids. Despondent. Yeah. They They just don't seem to be enjoying themselves. Yeah. But they see Santa Claus on television. They see Santa... And Santa has the reputation on Earth of delivering presents to all the kids at yeah. Christmas, and making the kids so happy. Yeah. But these Martian children, they have no Santa Claus. They have no Santa. They so, have nothing to be happy about. The leader of the Martians, Kimar, comes up with this scheme where they have to kidnap Santa Claus. They have to bring Santa Claus to Mars. Right. To make their children happy. Right? That's right. So they travel to Earth. They travel to Earth. And they come across two kids, two Earth kids. Billy and Betty. Billy and Betty Foster, that's right. (laughs) And 
they they ask where Santa Claus is because on their way to Earth, they're looking through view screens or something. Yeah. And they see one Santa Claus. They're like, I see Santa Claus. Because initially they were like, how are we going to find Santa Claus with all these people on Earth? How is yeah. it going to happen? So they're looking at I see Santa Claus. And then Voldar says, oh, I see Santa Claus too. And they both see see Santa Claus. And so they don't course, understand that Santa Claus has Santa Claus helpers. Yes, they don't understand that Santa has helpers like John Call playing Santa Claus in this movie. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> they end up asking these Earth children who just happened before this to be talking about Martians. Yeah. And then Martians actually appear. And the Martians are green. Their costumes are green. They're very green. They're very green. Little green men, but not really that little. They're just regular men. More like adult-sized humanoid (laughs) They're just like regular green men. Yes. So they ask the kids, where the hell is Santa Claus? Why do you have so many Santa Claus on this planet? Like, no, no, no. Those are his helpers, you They idiots. explained it to them. Yeah. You dumb Martians. Those are his helpers. There's only one real Santa Claus. That's right. And he lives at the North Pole. Yes. So. The Martians kidnap Billy and Betty. They kidnap the kids because they're like, yeah. You know, if they don't take the kids along with them. Then the they'll The kids tell. are going to rat them out. Yeah. Yeah. So they have to take the kids. They have to kidnap the kids, too. So they end up going to the North Pole. Droppo's in charge of the kids, though. Yes, and Droppo is maybe not the best at guarding yeah. anyone or anything because <laughs> he's just kind of a goof. So Billy ends up sneaking into the what is it called the radar box yeah. as they're flying, and within the radar box, yeah, Billy's like they're hiding in there, and it looks like kind of like an old style toy chest or something. Yeah. Is what it looks like. Has this lid, very scientific looking. Yeah, just a wooden toy chest yes. that has like radar box painted on the outside of it. It's very amusing. And, you know, not much of a budget on this, yeah. but some wires on the inside yeah. because little circuit boards you know, and things like that. Wired yes, up. of course. So they end up at the North Pole, and the kids escape at one point. There's this polar bear, Nicole. <laughs> a polar bear who is actually what, Nicole? The, it's, it's, this is the best. This is, it's, the polar bear is just this huge cartoon bear crawling on all fours. Yes. So, no, it's not a cartoon. It's one of a suit. Well, uh, it's in a suit. So there's a person in a suit crawling around on yes. all fours trying to sniff out the children and eat them. But, yeah. of course, they avoid that grisly death at the hands of the polar bear suit yeah. character. Anyway, so they end up then releasing this robot. The Martians have this robot. I can't remember the robot's name. They end up releasing this robot who is a pretty cool looking vintage robot. Again, some guy in a suit. And it just kind of looks like cardboard boxes that are wrapped in foil or something yeah. like that. And yes, that robot ends up trying to seek out the kids, finds the kids. Then the robot is sent into Santa's workshop to try to capture Santa. But Santa thinks that the robot is a toy. Just That's a right. toy. And suddenly the robot becomes very docile. Just instantly. That's right. Santa's That's, magic. That's Santa magic. Santa magic right there. That's right. Now, Nicole... Mrs. Claus appears here. And Mrs. Claus is played by Doris Rich. Apparently, Nicole... She seems kind of like a slave driver, though. This is apparently the first documented appearance of 
a Mrs. Claus. Really? Doesn't that sound insane? Yeah, in, in 1964. 60s? Because apparently this preceded the original Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer TV special by three weeks, which also featured a Mrs. Claus. But prior to this, I guess, maybe there had not been a Mrs. Claus period. Like Santa Claus was just never had like a wife. Who in knows? storybook form or anything? I'm not sure. Anyway, it's definitely the first documented appearance in a televised or theatrical production, apparently. Yeah. So, that was kind of interesting. That's cool. I didn't realize that. <laughs> Nicole, that's cool. <laughs> the Martians have these freeze ray kind of things that just temporarily disable people. It freezes them. They can't move. They can't react or anything. And by using these, they end up freezing some of the elves, Mrs. Claus. They successfully kidnap Santa. Yeah. They take Santa back to Mars... At one point on the ship on the journey back to Mars, Voldar, the evil Martian, the truly evil Martian, has a plan to get Santa, Billy, and Betty into the airlock and then blast them out into space, killing them? That's right. I mean, man, Voldar, he's a piece of work. He's hes a pretty terrible Martian, this guy. Yeah. So apparently, Voldar's problem is Santa... And the happiness Santa's going to bring to Mars is just going to ruin everything, apparently. Yeah. They'll all become a nuisance. Everything will be ruined because of this. The children, they'll be so happy. They'll be a nuisance, damn it. That's right. Happy children are a nuisance, according to Voldar. So, because it's Santa, there's a vent in the airlock. And because Santa can get down chimneys... And why couldn't he get out of an airlock? He sure as hell can get out of the vent in that airlock, right. too. So they just end up laughing it off. And Santa says, oh, yeah, Voldar accidentally locked us in the airlock. And he was accidentally going to open the airlock. And then accidentally, yeah, set the timer to open the door for the airlock. And yeah, he's very nice about it. Santa's always very nice. He's very nice. Even after that whole airlock That's thing. Right. He's just so nice. Because he's Santa, Nicole. There is a few times in this movie where I think Santa starts laughing and it turns kind of manic. Yeah, a little bit crazy. A little crazy. It gets a little crazy. But it's always very sweet. But yes. then you're like, okay, why is Santa still laughing like that? And it's yeah. making yeah. me like, feel weird a and A little awkward. uncomfortable, exactly. The one scene that I, that I liked in particular is when he meets the Martian children for the first time uh-huh. with... Billy and Betty are there as well. Yeah. And they meet the Martian children for the first time. Santa, because the kids, the Martian kids are still, you know, real downers. They're still really sad. Well, Santa uses his powers of madness to drive these Martian children to complete insanity. Yeah. Because he starts laughing. And like you said, he's getting really out of hand with the laughter. Yeah. And finally then, it rubs off on the Martian children. And they start laughing too. They've gone completely insane because of Santa Claus. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> anyway, I really enjoyed that. Scene. I do. Um, I do enjoy the, a lot of the Martians' names. You have Vol. You have Kimar, the Kimar. leader. His Voldar. wife's name's Momar. Momar. And then, do you have their kids' names? Uh, the kids' names. No, I didn't write those down. No, um, I'm sorry, Nicole. Yeah. Do you have and Droppo? Droppo, of course. Yeah. Of course. And there are there are several other Martians who yeah. are introduced as well. Yeah. yeah. And they all have kind of yes, unique interesting names there is a 
a factory that they've set up on Mars for Santa to work in. And he's used to, you know, he and the elves constructing the toys by hand, hand making the toys. Well, here on Mars, all he has to do is press a button. Press and a button, the little and the thing toy spits gets made. out the toy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, this toy comes spitting out of this little doorway, falls out on a conveyor belt. Somebody gets it ready for the kid to give it to the kid. That's it. That's, That's it. All I got to do. So Santa complains about his his finger being sore, you know, from touching the button so often. The Martians, Nicole, have some unique devices that they got a kick out of. They have a tickle ray that is used at the beginning <laughs> of the movie. That's right, the tickle ray. They have... Sleep spray. Sleep spray, they do. Yes, absolutely. And probably the best thing that reoccurs during the movie is how they eat. What they eat. Because they eat pills. They're eating pills. Yeah. But the pills are flavored like other things. Here's... Here's chicken. Yes, here's, here's like a hamburger. Here's mashed potatoes. Yes. I believe, yeah, the, the mother offers hamburger pills, mashed potato pills, some sort of vegetable. I can't remember. And then some sort of, I think probably like chocolate, ice, dessert, chocolate ice cream yeah, or something like pill. that. Yeah. Anyway, so these are the things that mm-hmm. they have on Mars that we so, didn't have on Earth at the time. Yeah, before. we don't have that on Earth now. So Droppo, he puts on santa's extra suit he does yes but he's not he's not chubby enough he's of course yes he's not fat enough he's not chubby santa enough. says so he tries to he puts a bunch of pills in his mouth but he's <laughs> yeah. like this is taking too long it's taking too long so finally he he's, resorts to a pillow he that's just ends right. up putting a pillow in there yeah, yeah. so droppo is dressed like santa yeah but he's still a green martian yes yeah, still a green martian still has his green hat on with his antenna uh-huh he he put on he put on the Santa hat like on on just like one of the hose off to the yeah. side of his head, but somehow the other Martians mistook him for the real Santa <laughs> and end up kidnapping Droppo, thinking that it is Santa, Santa Claus. Yeah, that's right. Because at this point they want to ruin the scheme, so Santa can't make any more kids. So it's Voldar people that have kidnapped Santa. Yes, because Droppo. they want to ruin. Yeah. They want to ruin Christmas on Mars as well. Right. Yes, that's the idea. So, Santa Claus conquers the Martians, Nicole. You have these other goofy things like they talk about the... Oh, I, I enjoyed one time they referenced the month September. Yeah. Because they can't just have, you know, the same months we have. Yeah. So, instead they have September, which I thought was funny. There's also a lot of so much, like, stock military footage in the movie like anytime they need like military like planes or things yeah. like that, there'll be like this stock footage for rockets and things like that that are used in the movie as well. I got a kick out of that. But overall, Santa Claus Congress of Martians, I think it's a pretty good time. Yeah, I don't know why it has a bad reputation. I mean, it's not what I would consider to be a good movie necessarily, no, like as far as the production or but anything. But it's funny in its badness. Yeah, it's very enjoyable. And I would yes. think it would be a cult classic just because of its badness. I mean, it pretty much is. Yeah, that's what it is. But, yeah, I don't think it's really as bad as its reputation, though. I think it's a lot of fun, Nicole. Yeah, I would definitely watch it again. So. I would absolutely amass Santa Claus yeah, Conquers the Martians. I would amass this. Yes. And in fact... I recommend everyone in the world should watch <laughs> Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. And I am serious. I'm, I am too. I think it's a good time. It's fun. My God. Watch Santa Claus Conquering the Martians. 
But you have to go into it thinking this is going to be fun because of its badness. Yes, exactly. If you're looking to have a little bit of fun, maybe... Maybe you could watch it and you could, like, drink a little bit. Maybe you want to do some other things. <laughs> Under the influence, perhaps this movie could be an exceptional time. I don't know. We were not under the influence when we watched this movie, by the way. No. No. But even without, we still had a good time. Even without anything, we had a great time. Santa Claus Conscious the Martians. I definitely recommend it. It's a Christmas film. That should be revisited every year. <laughs> Watch Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. A Christmas classic. And like, I'm being silly, but I re- like, and no one's going to believe. They're going to think I'm being sarcastic. But I really think it's a lot of fun. The movie's a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Christmas Eve. Ah, oh, I hate holidays. But Christmas I despise most of all. Hey, Nicole, are you ready for a little... Horror for the Holidays 2 closing? Yeah. All right, let's close this thing out, Nicole. Okay. I I don't know. I don't have a whole lot to talk about in the closing, Nicole. Hmm. I don't know. What Are we going to go watch some more Christmas movies now? I don't know. I, I guess. I might make you watch Scooby-Doo and hear um, that guy's voice. Frank Welker. It's Fred. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> yes, maybe we'll watch Scooby-Doo instead. Okay. Well, I, you know, I guess, you know, all, for a lot of people, this... This year, Christmas is going to be a little non more a little more non traditional than usual. So the holiday celebrations for a lot of people probably going to be maybe not what they used to be. A little low key, yeah. Just due to everything that's going on in the world right now in the United States right now, things are not great as far as the pandemic situation. So we just recommend everyone just be safe. Just be safe. That's right. Damn it. That's right. And watch Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Watch Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Watch the movie. Stay in and watch the movie. And it'll be a wonderful Christmas celebration that your entire family can enjoy (laughs) separately. But you could watch it together somehow. No. Yes. Who's that? That's Ukla. So, where, Nicole, can our listeners find us out there on social media? Or the internet. Facebook. Facebook, that is on the page. Cure for the Common Craig. Instagram. Instagram. You can find us at Cure for the Common Craig. Twitter? Twitter, yes. You can find us <laughs> at Common Craig. And then, yes, Nicole, we do have a website where you can find all the episodes. That is Cure for the Common Nicole, we're going to be together for the holidays. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unless you find some gremlins and throw them on me or something like that. I don't know. Maybe you have the Martians come after me. Maybe you have some 12-year-old child come oh, over to the house and no. try to kill me or something. <laughs> anyway, yes. So, it'll be nice spending the holidays with you, Nicole. Aww. Aww. And with you, Craig. Aww. And the listeners, we're releasing this episode a little earlier than we did last year, so maybe you can listen to it and maybe prepare. Get in for, the holiday spirit. Yes, get in the holiday spirit and see what you're going to watch gearing up right. for the holidays. And if Christmas isn't your thing, you you still should watch some wintertime fun movies. My goodness, you can still watch Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. <laughs> 
Anyway, Nicole. Oh, let's call it a night, huh? Okay. Okay. All right, listeners. Be safe. Enjoy your holiday season. Nicole, do you have anything else you want to say? Merry Christmas. Good night, listeners. <laughs>